Chapter One of the Makers of Canada, Champlain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Makers of Canada, Champlain, by Narcisse Utrope Dionne. Chapter One, Champlain's First Voyage to America. Samuel Champlain, the issue of the marriage of Antoine Champlain and Marguerite Leroy, was born at Brouage, now Hier-Brouage, a small village in the province of Saint-Onge, France, in the year 1570 or according to the biographie saint angeoise in fifteen sixty seven his parents belonged to the catholic religion as their first names would seem to indicate when quite young samuel champlain was entrusted to the care of the parish priest who imparted to him the elements of education and instilled his mind with religious principles his youth appears to have glided quietly away spent for the most part with his family and in assisting his father who was a mariner in his wanderings upon the sea the knowledge thus obtained was of great service to him for after a while he became not only conversant with the life of a mariner but also with the science of geography and of astronomy when samuel champlain was about twenty years of age he tendered his services to marshal d'aumont one of the chief commanders of the catholic army in its expedition against the huguenots when the league had done its work and the army was disbanded in fifteen ninety eight champlain returned to brouage and sought a favorable opportunity to advance his fortune in a manner more agreeable if possible to his tastes and more compatible with his abilities in the meantime champlain did not remain idle for he resolved to find the means of making a voyage to spain in order quote, to acquire and cultivate acquaintance and make a true report to his majesty henry the fourth of the particularities which could not be known to any frenchman for the reason that they have not free access there end quote he left blavet at the beginning of the month of august and ten days after he arrived near cape finisterre having remained for six days at the isle of bayona in galicia he proceeded towards san lucar de barameda which is at the mouth of the river seville where he remained for three months during this time he went to seville and made surveys of the place while champlain was at seville a patache or advice boat arrived from puerto rico bearing a communication addressed to the king of spain informing him that a portion of the english army had put out to sea with the intention of attacking puerto rico the king fitted out twenty ships to oppose the english one of which the saint julien was commanded by provençal champlain's uncle champlain proposed to join the expedition under his uncle but provençal was ordered elsewhere and general subriago offered the command of the saint julien to champlain which he gladly accepted the armada set sail in the beginning of january fifteen ninety nine and within six days favored by a fresh breeze the vessels sighted the canary islands two months and six days later the armada drew near to the island called la desirade which is the first island approached in this passage to the indies the ships anchored for the first time at Nacou, which is one of the finest ports of the Guadalupe. After having passed Marguerite Island and the Virgins, Champlain proceeded to San Juan de Puerto Rico, where he found that both the town and the castle, or fortress, had been abandoned, and that the merchants had either made their escape or had been taken prisoners. The English army had left the town and had taken the Spanish governor with them, as he had surrendered on the condition that his life should be spared. On leaving Puerto Rico, the general divided the galleons into three squadrons and retained four vessels under his own command three were sent to portobello and three including champlain's vessel to new spain champlain arrived at st jean de luz eight days afterwards although the place is fully four hundred leagues from puerto rico this fortress bore the name of san juan d'oyoa 
Fifteen days afterwards we find Champlain setting sail for Mexico, situated at a distance of over one hundred leagues from San Juan. Champlain was evidently very much interested in this country, and his description is that of an enthusiast. Quote, it is impossible to see or desire a more beautiful country than this kingdom of New Spain, which is three hundred leagues in length and two hundred in breadth. The whole of this country is ornamented with very fine rivers and streams. The land is very fertile, producing corn twice in the year. The trees are never devoid of fruit and are always green. The voyage to Mexico occupied a month, and Champlain gave an animated description of the city of Mexico, of its superb palaces, temples, houses, and buildings, and well-laid streets, as well as of the surrounding country. After leaving Mexico, Champlain returned to San Juan de Luz, and from there sailed in a patache to Portobello, quote, the most pitiful and evil residence in the world, end quote. The harbor, however, was good and well fortified. From Portobello to Panama, which is on the sea, the distance is only seventeen leagues, and it is interesting to read Champlain's description, quote, one may judge that if the four leagues of land which there are from panama to this river were cut through one might pass from the south sea to the ocean on the other side and thus shorten the route by more than fifteen hundred leagues and from panama to the straits of magellan would be an island and from panama to the new-found lands would be another island so that the whole of america would be in two islands it is thus seen that the idea of connecting the Atlantic Ocean with the Pacific by cutting through the Isthmus of Panama is not a modern one, as it was promulgated by Champlain over three hundred years ago. At this time Spain was in great need of a good transportation service at the Isthmus. The treasures of Peru were sent to Europe by the Panama route to Portobello, from where the ships sailed to the old continent. The route between the Pacific coast and the Gulf of Mexico was exceedingly bad. Sometimes the merchants forwarded European goods to Panama, having them transported to Chagres. Here they were landed in boats and conveyed to Cruces. From Cruces to Panama, mules were employed for the remainder of the journey. It was, however, the route taken by travellers visiting Peru, Chile, New Granada, Venezuela, and other Spanish possessions on the Pacific coast. The most regular connection between the two oceans was from Fort Acapulco to Veracruz through Mexico. If Spain had adopted a better line of communication with her western territories in the New World, she might have derived vast treasure from that source. In the year 1551, Lopez de Gomara, the author of a, quote, History of Indies, end quote, a work written with care and displaying considerable erudition, proposed to unite the two oceans by means of canals at three different points, Chagres, Nicaragua, and Tehuantepec. Gomara's proposals were not acted upon, and the honor of carrying out the project was reserved for France. Ferdinand de Lesseps, who succeeded in connecting the Mediterranean Sea with the Red Sea, was the man who, after the lapse of centuries, seriously interested his fellow countrymen in boring the Isthmus of Panama. Champlain returned to San Juan de Luz, where he remained for fifteen days, and he then proceeded to Havana, the rendezvous of the army and of the fleet. Eighteen days later he embarked in a vessel bound for Cartagena, where there was a good port, sheltered from all winds. Upon his return to Havana, Champlain met his general and spent four months in collecting valuable information relating to the interesting island of Cuba. From Havana he proceeded past the Bahama Channel, approached Bermuda Island, Terceira, one of the Azores, and sighted Cape St. Vincent, where he captured two armed English vessels which were taken to Seville. Champlain returned to France in March 1601, having been absent on his first voyage for a period of two years and two months, 
during which time he collected much valuable information. He also published a small volume containing plans, maps, and engravings, fairly well executed for the time, and now exceedingly scarce. The manuscript of this volume is still preserved. It covers one hundred and fifteen pages, with sixty-two drawings, colored and surrounded with blue and yellow lines. It appears to have been written between the years 1601 and 1603. The first voyage of Champlain across the Atlantic, though important from a military standpoint, did not suffice to satisfy the ambition of a man whose thoughts were bent upon discovery and colonization. Champlain was a navigator by instinct, and in his writings he gave to nautical science the first place. Quote, of all the most useful and excellent arts, he writes, that of navigation has always seemed to me to occupy the first place. For the more hazardous it is, the greater the perils and losses by which it is attended, so much the more is it esteemed and exalted above all others, being wholly unsuited to the timid and irresolute. By this art we obtain a knowledge of different countries, regions, and realms. By it we attract and bring to our own land all kinds of riches. By it the idolatry of paganism is overthrown, and Christianity proclaimed throughout all the regions of the earth. This is the art which won my love in my early years, and induced me to expose myself almost all my life to the impetuous waves of the ocean, and led me to explore the coasts of a portion of America, especially those of New France, where I have always desired to see the lily flourish, together with the only religion, Catholic, apostolic and roman after his return to france in the year sixteen o one champlain received a pension together with the appointment of geographer to the king pierre de chauvin sieur de tontuy who had unsuccessfully endeavoured to establish a settlement at tadoussac died at this time while champlain was residing in paris here he had the good fortune to meet aymar de chaste governor of the town and chateau of dieppe under whose orders he had served during the latter years of the war with the league de chaste who had resolved to undertake the colonization of canada obtained a commission from the king and formed a company composed of several gentlemen and the principal merchants of rouen francois gravet sieur dupont who had already accompanied chauvin to tadoussac was chosen to return there and to examine the sault saint louis and the country beyond Quote, going from time to time to see the sieur de chaste writes champlain judging that i might serve him in his design he did me the honour to communicate something of it to me and asked me if it would be agreeable to me to make the voyage to examine the country and to see what those engaged in the undertaking should do i told him that i was very much his servant but that i could not give myself license to undertake the voyage without the commands of the king to whom i was bound as well by birth as by the pension with which his majesty honoured me to enable me to maintain myself near his person but that, if it should please him to speak to the king about it, and give me his commands, that it should be very agreeable to me, which he promised, and did, and received the king's orders for me to make the voyage, and make a faithful report thereof. And for that purpose M. de Jeff, secretary of his commandments, sent me with a letter to the said Dupont Gravet, desiring him to take me in his ship, and enable me to see and examine what could be done in the country, giving me every possible assistance. Quote, me voilà expédié, says Champlain. I leave Paris, and take passage on Pont Gravé's ship in the year 1603, the 15th of the month of March. The voyage was favourable for the first fifteen days, but on the 30th a heavy storm arose, quote, more thunder than wind, quote, which lasted until April 16th. On May 6th the vessel approached Newfoundland, and arrived at Tadoussac on the 24th. Here they met with about one hundred Indians, under the command of Anadabijou, who were rejoicing on account of their recent victory over the Iroquois. 
the chief made a long harangue speaking slowly he congratulated himself upon his friendship with the french nation and stated that he was happy to learn that the king was anxious to send some of his subjects to reside in the country and to assist them in their wars champlain was also informed that the echemins the algonquins and the montagnais to the number of about one thousand had lately been engaged in warfare with the iroquois whom they had vanquished with the loss of one hundred men on june ninth following champlain witnessed the spectacle of a grand feast given by the indians in commemoration of their victory the celebration consisted of dances songs speeches and games tessouat the sagamo of the ottawas was the chief captain and took a prominent part in the demonstration after a long description of these public festivities champlain gives ample details of the manners and customs of the indians especially of their superstitions the indians believed that a god existed who was the creator of all things but they had a curious manner of explaining the creation of man Quote, when man had made everything they said he took a quantity of arrows and fixed them in the earth whence came men and women who have increased ever since the sagamo said they believed in the existence of a god a son a mother and a son that is a celestial son that god was the greatest of the four that the son and the son were both good that the mother was a lesser person and so was the father who was less bad the indians were convinced that their deity had held communication with their ancestors one day five indians ran towards the setting sun where they met god who asked them quote, where are you going quote, we are going to seek our life they replied then god said quote, you will find it here end quote but they did not hear the divine word and went away then god took a stone and touched two of them and they were immediately turned into stones addressing the three other indians god asked the same question quote, where are you going End quote. and he was given the same answer quote, do not go further said the divine voice you will find your life here End quote. seeing nothing however they continued their journey then god took two sticks and touched two of them and they were at once turned into sticks the fifth indian however paused and god gave him some meat which he ate and he afterwards returned to his countrymen these indian tribes had their jugglers whom they called pilotois from the basque or hautemoin which means a magician these jugglers exercised great sway over the indians who would not hesitate to kill a frenchman if the jugglers decided that it was necessary in spite of their superstitions champlain believed that it would be an easy task to convert the indians to christianity especially if the french resided near them this desirable end was not to be attained without great difficulty as champlain soon realized for the missionaries toiled for many years before their efforts were crowned with success champlain now proceeded to explore the river saguenay for a distance of twelve to fifteen leagues and he thus describes the scenery quote, all the land i have seen is composed of rocks covered with fir woods cypress birch very unpleasing land where i could not find a league of plain land on each side end quote he also learned from the indians of the existence of lake st john and of a salt sea flowing towards the north it was evidently hudson bay to which these northern tribes directed champlain's attention and if they had not seen it themselves they had probably heard of its existence from the indians dwelling around the southern or southwestern shores of the bay who came annually to namiska lake to trade their furs this lake was halfway between hudson bay and the river st lawrence the Calistanons and other Indians of the North had regular communication with their congénères scattered along the shores of the St. Maurice and the several rivers which flow into Lake St. John. 
When the French arrived in Canada with Chauvin in the year 1600, they began to monopolize the fur trade of all the Indian nations, but some years later the English established themselves on the shores of Hudson Bay, and prosecuted the trade for their own benefit. Champlain could not, evidently, have been in possession of any exact information as to the existence of this large bay, as he was searching for a northern passage to Cathay, the great desideratum of all the navigators and explorers of the time. After having promised to aid the various tribes gathered at Tadoussac in their wars, Champlain and Pont-Gravé proceeded to Sault-Saint-Louis. This expedition lasted fifteen days, during which they saw Hare Island, so named by Jacques Cartier, and the island of Orléans. The ship anchored at Quebec, where Champlain stopped to make a short description of the country watered by the St. Lawrence, and they then proceeded to Sault-Saint-Louis. Here Champlain gathered much valuable information relating to lakes Ontario and Erie, the Detroit River, Niagara Falls, and the rapids of the St. Lawrence. Returning to Tadoussac, he determined to explore Gaspésia, and proceeded to visit Percé and Malbay, where he met Indians at every turn. He was also informed by Prévert, from Saint-Malo, who was exploring the country, of the existence of a copper mine. Champlain carefully noted all the information he had received, and after his return to Tadoussac, he sailed again for France on August 16, 1603, and reached Havre de Grasse after a passage of twenty-one days. On his arrival in France, he heard that Aymar de Chaste had died a few weeks previously, on August 13th. This was a great loss to Canada, and especially to Champlain, for he was convinced that the noble and enterprising de Chaste was seriously disposed to colonize New France. Quote, in this enterprise, he says, I cannot find a single fault, because it has been well inaugurated. With the death of de Chaste, the project of colonizing would undoubtedly have fallen through had not Champlain been present to promote another movement in this direction. Champlain had an interview with the king, and presented him with a map of the country which he had visited, and placed in his hands a relation of his voyage. Henry the Fourth was so favorably impressed that he promised to assist Champlain in his patriotic designs. End of chapter 1